Welcome to the Wagner Ministries International Podcast. As you listen to this message, our prayer is that you would be motivated and empowered to follow Christ and lead others to Him. Enjoy. Hi there, friends. I want to welcome you to our podcast today uh, with Wagner Ministries International. Right here in our studio, we have Evangelist Joshua Wagner, who is my son and also works alongside with me in ministry as we uh, carry the gospel of Jesus to the least reached nations of the world. And today we're going to be talking about a book that Josh wrote a couple of years ago called Go. The subtitle is His Last Words, Our First Priority. It's a book about missions and specifically the Great Commission. And we're going to do a series of broadcasts. This is going to be the of podcasts. These, this is the first in the a series of podcasts that are going to be focusing on Josh's book. This is such a great book, not only because my son wrote it, but because it really goes into detail about motivating the church and Christians today all over the world to get fully involved in reaching the world for Christ, especially the least reached persons of the world. Uh, and so we're going to be talking with Josh today about uh, about some of the beginning parts of the book that really inspired him to uh, to put the book together in the first place, and a real focus on Jesus's words of great commission in the New Testament. And so, Josh, it's good to have you here today. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well. And um, we are uh, we are going to talk today a little bit about the book. But obviously, if you are interested in the topic of evangelism and the Great Commission, then I would encourage you to. Uh, purchase the book, which is available for purchase on Amazon, both in the United States and Canada. Uh, it could also be purchased on our website. It's available in, um, uh, you know, physical, digital uh, formats. And so, however it is that you like to read your books, uh, we should have the way to do that. And uh, it was a a, a nice um, journey walking through this book. Really thankful to the Lord for His grace upon me during it, and still continues to be a blessing. I know to many people as they read it, and and so I believe that um, the principles therein are going to be a blessing to you as we walk through some of them um, to whet your appetites through this podcast. So uh, that's a little bit sort of about how you can get the book. Thanks, Josh. Uh, so the the book starts off with kind of an, uh, a summary of Jesus' call to each believer uh, to get involved in the work of the Great Commission. And you kind of unpack for us the five different Great Commissions in the Gospels and Acts. A lot of times we only think of the, the first, or not the, well, I guess it would be the first one in Matthew uh, as being the Great Commission, but you actually creatively outline five different Great Commissions that are there. And I think that it's really important for us to see that Jesus uses that principle of repetition by uh, repeating you know, similar concepts over and over again so that we don't forget what those, uh, what those concepts are and what we are supposed to do with them. And so, Josh, why don't you start off today by talking to us about the principle of repetition and what exactly Jesus did in terms of reminding us about getting involved in the Great Commission. Sounds good. So one of the things that when you study 
um, hermeneutics, which is essentially the study of Scripture. One of the things that you do is you try to see the core messages of a certain text in Scripture by looking at the words or the phrases that are most frequently visible. So the more times a certain word appears, usually speaks to how important that message is. Um, and it's not unlike what we do in our own lives. Uh, you know, I think about how I've got three young kids, and it's not ever enough for me usually to just say something to them once. They need to hear it over and over and over again. And the more times I say it, the, the clearer that message becomes to them. And we are no different than uh, my children in, in needing to hear the same thing over and over again. And we see this happen actually all throughout Scripture. Um, one of the things that you'll note when you study the languages of Scripture, primarily Hebrew and Greek, is that uh, these are not languages that had, you couldn't, you know, embolden the words or italicize the words for importance. Uh, they don't even have the some of the uh, punctuation marks that we have. So, for example, in the English language, if you really want to emphasize something in a text message or an email or a book, maybe you put an exclamation point. Well, there is no such um, punctuation mark in Hebrew or Greek as an exclamation point. So one of the things that the biblical authors would do is that to highlight something, they would repeat it. The more times it shows up, it sort of was emphasizing the point. So for example, um, you know, the the angels, Isaiah tells us, and, and John sees the same thing in Revelation. It says that the angels surround the throne of God and they cry, holy, holy, holy. Now they're not stuttering. Uh, they're not um, they're not saying this because God is hard of hearing and they're having to repeat themselves. They're repeating the word holy because they're trying to emphasize that that is the thing that they are wanting to highlight about the nature of God in that moment. Um, and you'll see this all throughout Scripture, this repetition that speaks to the emphasis that the writer or the author is trying to make. Um, for example, when Jesus is talking about the heart of God for lost people in Luke 15, he tells three different stories that all convey the very same thing. Right. Um, he tells the story about the lost sheep, about the lost coin, and then about the lost son or the prodigal son. One story communicates the heart of God, but by telling three stories, approaching it from three different angles, he is really trying to emphasize the point that this is the heart of God. One story did the work, but by three stories, you're really trying to hammer home the uh, the point. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of some other examples here. Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph didn't just have one type of dream that spoke to the seven years of plenty and then the seven years of famine. He had multiple types of dreams. Um, at, at different points in his life, he had multiple types of dreams. Um, even the even the the four gospels themselves are an example of this. So. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are all telling the same story of Jesus. They're highlighting the same individual, and in the cases of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're essentially sharing almost 90% of the same content, but they are doing it from their unique perspectives. They are sharing the same story from different angles, and what that does is it helps us to see, hey, this is the thing that's most important. This is the message that we're really wanting uh, to communicate. You know, as we record this podcast, the United States is in a, uh, a position of turmoil uh, in many ways because 
Um, there has been a lot of uproar within African-American communities and the, the communities at large in the United States over um, the deaths of African-Americans that were seemingly, you know, heinous and, and really murderous, that there was no justification for these deaths. And we are, in this time, we are really um, reminded of the Civil Rights Movement, which was led by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And one of the interesting things about Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King is that um, when, when you think about him, one of the things that he's perhaps most well-known for is a speech that he made uh, called uh, I, the I Have a Dream speech. And in fact, do you, I don't know if you, you were, you came a little after the civil rights movement, <laughs> yes. but, uh, but perhaps you even remember, you know, growing up, uh, a little bit about this. I have a dream speech. Well, not really because I live, I grew up in Canada and yeah. so it was a whole different system up there. And I mean, you're right, Josh, I, I'm of course very old, but I'm not, uh, I'm not old enough to remember that aspect of things. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I want to read for you just a portion of the speech here and uh, make a point here that we refer to this as the I have a dream speech, and we do it for a specific purpose, okay? So here's, here's an excerpt of what uh, Dr. King said. He says, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed in, uh, into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. And... What I want you to see in this is that it, it could have been enough for him to just say, I have a dream at the beginning of this speech and then go through all of these. But he begins each new thought with that phrase, I have a dream. Why does he do that? Because Dr. King is using a principle of repetition here to convey the point. A principle that because he repeated it over and over again, you don't refer to this speech as the, you know, we refuse to believe that the Bank of Justice is bankrupt speech. We refer to it as the I have a dream speech because he kept on saying it over and over again. And because of that, we know that the heartbeat of Dr. King's speech uh, and because he demonstrated the focus of his speech through repetition. And so this is a principle that the scriptures use that, um, you know, political figures, uh, Politi you know, uh, popular celebrities use in, in their way they write music, um, all of these sorts of things. This is not a new thing, but it does help to – it helps us to identify, okay, so when someone repeats something, it is an attempt by the writer to emphasize that specific point. And that is exactly what we see with the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. Because as you mentioned at the beginning, we don't just have one Great Commission. We actually have five different instances of the Great Commission message. Uh, Dad, why don't you just sort of you know, remind the listeners which commissions that we have here, at least <laughs> some of them. Okay, that's, that's great. Um, and first of all, I should say, yes, I'm aware of the speech. In fact, I remember as a young pastor, I 
actually quoted some of that speech uh, in one of the early sermons I wrote in the early 90s when I you know, got out of seminary into my first church. And so I'm certainly aware of it, but I hadn't thought about it before, Josh, the way that you, you know, described it. And it's a really great example of the type of, you know, teaching that, that Jesus used himself. So, I mean, yeah, those five great commissions are the main one is like the one in Matthew 28, right. where Jesus tells us to go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation, right? Yeah. Um, and make disciples of all nations. Yes. You know? And that's the one that we all have kind of grown up knowing and loving. But I think that uh, it was a few years ago that I looked into the whole thing a little more deeply. And I remember both you and I and your brothers, we memorized uh, the entire Gospel of Mark a few years back, like probably about a little over a decade ago. And as we were doing that, because you guys were in Bible quiz competitively, and so we memorized it. and as we were doing that, um, the end, you know, in Mark 16, there's a long version of that Matthew 28 yeah. Great Commission. And I kind of never thought about it that way before, but that Mark 16 passage is awesome. And, and uh, it's probably my favorite Great Commission because it talks about not only going into the world and preaching the gospel, but right. all the signs that are going to follow us and everything. And so after I realized, hey, you know, there's another Great Commission there, I think a little ways down the road, a few years after that, yeah. we, I looked, I, th- I thought, well, I wonder if there's anything similar in Luke and John and even Acts, mm-hmm. you know? And sure enough, when you look in there, you find Jesus's, uh, some of Jesus' last words in all those three books too were words, they weren't exactly like uh, Matthew and Mark, right. But there were different ways of saying the same thing that Jesus used at different times as he was almost leaving the earth. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, I mean, you can get into some of those specifics too, but Luke 24, uh, John 20, and then uh, Acts 1, verse 8, which are the very last words, Acts 1, 8, that Jesus spoke before leaving the earth, that you'll be my witnesses in Jude- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... It was amazing to me that, you know, yeah, Jesus totally repeated these words. It's, it's like, how can we not be completely motivated yes. to do this? Yeah. So what do you think about that, Josh? Well, it's it's a great point. And, you know, I think that um, maybe even next in our next podcast, we'll dive deep into these five great commissions. But uh, from this standpoint, I think what's important for us to recognize is just that principle that, like, Hey, from a bird's eye view, five different times. And just if you're if you're listening and you want references here, uh, I'll give you the five instances. So the first is Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20. The second is Mark 16 verses 15 through 18. Uh, one of the ironic things about that is Mark is the shortest of the Gospels, yet his Great Commission <laughs> right. is the longest of the Gospels. Um, but some of that plays into what Mark highlights and the, in his Great Commission and how that connects to the rest of his gospel. Uh, Luke 24, verses 46 through 48, John 20, verses, uh, or verse 21, and then finally, as you just quoted, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And, and what we can see here is, as you said, none of them contain identical words. They're all unique. They have their own perspective. But what they've done here is that um, 
they've communicated the same message in five different ways. Yeah. Found in five different books yeah. by four different authors, as Luke wrote both Luke, both Luke and Acts. And, um, and it communicates to us this principle of repetition. Yeah. You know, I've often said, if Jesus said something once, it's important. Absolutely. And, and we should obey it. <laughs> but how much more when God, who is putting the Bible together and, you know, the Holy Spirit, who's inspiring these authors, is choosing to include these words of Jesus five different times, spoken in five different books, written by four different authors, given us, given to us in five different ways, there is a clear message that God is trying to communicate, which is that this is important. It's as if he's, he's trying to put, you know, a stop sign and he's surrounding it with Christmas lights and he's, he's trying to convey, hey, obviously all of the scriptures are important, but when I've taken the time to include this same message by the mouth of Jesus five different times in five different books by four different authors said yeah. in all these different ways, then it is important. Amen. This is something that I'm repeating because of its necessity. Mm-hmm. And, and for us as Christians, not just evangelists, but as Christians, it's absolutely essential that we recognize the significance of what Jesus uh, spoke to us in the Great Commission, which is can be summed up basically or simply in the words, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Amen. And so it's very important that we recognize uh, this principle of repetition and how it connects to the, the, the great commission message of Jesus Christ. Uh, when you consider the teachings of Jesus found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, even, um, you'll note that this is the only one that appears in all five of those books. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll note that this message here really, um, or this recounting of this instance, is is what appears more than anything else in in these books. Right, outside of like the last few days of Jesus' life. Sure, and, and but yet even there, you know, Acts isn't That's really true. recounting. Good point. The, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's right. Um, and, and we know that there are other stories. You know, the feeding of the 5,000 is mm-hmm. found in all four of the Gospels. But it's not referenced in the book of Acts. That's true. So what we see here is that there is a strong emphasis that God, putting the Bible together, placed on this message. Placed on the commission to go and to make disciples of all nations. And if God felt that strongly about it, how much more should we? Yes. Yeah. And Josh, this is great. I love it when, like, you just schooled me on that one. I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, but what about all the stuff, you know, in the, in the last few days of resurrection and <laughs> and uh, the, you know, crucifixion and everything? But you're right. Like, I mean, Acts is a, is a whole different story in a lot of ways. a continuation. It's like a, yeah. the sequel to what Jesus did. Now we're, we're picking up, taking the baton and running with it. But... You're right. Like when we think about that, you're, it's very true. Like those, to have something of that importance referenced in all five places, it, that blows me away. It's like, how can we ever, how can anyone ever omit that? Jesus was going to great lengths to make sure that we can't omit that. It can't be the great omission, but it has to be the great commission. That's right. Exactly. Very well put. And and with that, we're going to come to a close today, but um, as we do, I just want to pray over you as you're listening to this, that that this burden for the lost would consume you as it did uh, and still does the heart of God. So in Jesus' name, we just pray for everybody who's listening. 
I pray for me and dad as we're just pondering these as well, Lord God, that you would just increase our desire for the lost people to, yes. uh, to know you. Uh -huh. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just turn the hearts of lost people all over the world to you. We pray that you would put people in their path who will be able to rightly lead them into the truth of the gospel. Amen. God, that we would make your last words our first priority, that we would reach this world for Jesus that uh, is so desperate for you, and, and we can see more and more how needed you are in our world. And so we just thank you, Lord, uh, that you have made this message clear to us, and we choose to believe uh, and receive this message and implement it into our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we thank you so much for joining us today, and we believe that this, uh, this message has been a blessing to you, and we look forward to sharing you more principles of truth uh, from my book, Go. God bless. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. For more information regarding Wagner Ministries International, go to wagnerministries.org. And if you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org. God bless. Thank you.